You haven't tapped into your potential yet because you have to get good at this. How are you going to get good at it? You keep sitting in front of the microphone and putting value out there. The idea with pod theory is just to put value into the world. It, it doesn't have to all be about monetization. I, I'm about six to seven years deep in the podcasting experience. Can't think of a better way to establish authority, to build trust, to amplify your message, to grow your audience exponentially. They have to, you have to build your credibility and build your audience to a point to where they trust you. What purpose is this podcast going to serve? How am I going to provide value for my audience? People are going to let you into their world through your podcast. If that's what's going to make you happy because you see thousands of downloads, then ugh. as a podcaster, I feel like that's the one thing that we all should be taking more advantage of is if you can, if you could talk about something, even if no one's listening, that's something you could podcast about. Guess what? There is no perfect podcast. You're listening to Inside the Podcast Studio, the show where we go behind the scenes with successful independent podcasters to help and inspire you on your podcast journey. I'm your host, Rob Jay, and in this episode, you're going to hear my epic conversation with the one and only Jason Saccone. Now, after that introduction, I don't think I have to tell you what you're going to learn in this show, but I will say that this episode is packed with value and golden podcasting nuggets of wisdom. So make sure you're near a pen because you're going to want to take notes for this one. And also make sure you stick around to the end of the episode because I have some exciting news you're not going to want to miss. But first, here is my conversation with Jason Saccone. To kick things off, for people who don't know who you are outside of podcasting, who is Jason Saccone? Outside of podcasting, Jason Saccone is a father. Jason Saccone is a golfer i guess depending on who you talk to uh i'm i'm big into sports i i I enjoy playing golf playing tennis um i love fantasy football i'm addicted to that and that that that's uh i guess in a microcosm a lot of what i do a lot of my life is involved with podcasting so having to remove myself from that aspect uh that takes a minute to, to put the thoughts together but but yeah, but love documentaries, love television. Uh, Sopranos is my all-time favorite show. So big fan of the Talking Sopranos podcast as well. They're listening. Throw a shout out their way. But yeah, that's uh, that, that's pretty much it. All right. So so you mentioned like most most of your life is is revolves around podcasting. So how did you get like before we get into Pod Theory and then get into like podcasting stuff? Like how did you get into podcasting? It's funny because my first podcast was made out of spite. To make a long story short, I had uh, an, an internet troll before. I don't even think trolling was a cool term back when this was happening. So in 2015, he, he just started trolling me for things that I was putting out through Twitter. And I just wondered, well, what, what the hell's this guy's disposition that he can sit here and, and, and criticize what I'm trying to do? I wonder what he does. So did a little research and discovered that he had a beer podcast and it just hit me right there. We should do a beer podcast. So I texted my friend, like, this is what we're going to do. And he said, he was a big beer fan too. And he had no arguments and said, yeah, let's do it. So within like two weeks, we bought a microphone. We bought a little mixing board. Our first recording was at a loud bar 
and we did no editing and we threw the show out there and we had a podcast and built out of spite, built with no planning. It was terrible. It was ultimately what you're what you're thinking it was. It absolutely was just that and probably even worse. And it I look back on it now cringeworthy that that that's what happened, even you know, given the fact that I knew how radio production worked. But at the same time, I was just in a different frame of mind with putting content out there. And that's all changed over the years. So I look back on that experience and I'm glad it happened because it taught me that, OK, podcasting is a serious platform that has to be taken seriously and, and planned out properly or else it's not going to work. And there are so many podcasts out there that started for similar reasons that my first one did that didn't make it. And my first one didn't make it because we didn't have a plan in place. We didn't know what we were doing. We just thought we could turn on some microphones and be all stars. And it's not how this genre and this platform works. And I, I learned that quickly. So we did our show for, Oh, I would say, I mean, off and on for a couple of years until I finally decided to pull the plug. And I just decided it was time for me to step back and say, okay, I really want to attack podcasting, but I want to do it the right way. So I need to take some time to learn. And I took about a year and a half of just listening to podcasts, listening to different people on the radio, listening to people on television, studying, reading books, doing everything I could to really get a feel for what it takes to make a good podcast. And then ultimately which is something I'm sure we'll cover in more detail here as we go forward today. I was working with one person on building a podcast and I was thinking this is something I think could be useful for other people and other brands and other companies that are looking to leverage the podcasting platform. I think I'm going to run with this. And then the pandemic hit. And then I said, okay, I definitely need to pivot what I'm doing and Going all in on podcasting made complete sense. And 2020, we saw such a spike in the popularity of podcasting and not just from people starting podcasts, but from people discovering podcasts. I felt this was the time to be all in on this and I've been running with it ever since. Okay. So from what you just said before, before we jump into pod theory, right? So you said, you know, you were, you were spent like a year and a half, you're consuming podcasts, you're listening to radio, you're reading as much as you could. What would you say, if you could say there was like, one or two things that you got like from doing that that you know clicked with you what what would be your two big takeaways from doing that that you learned the two biggest things that i learned i and i would say this is something that and i carry this with everybody i i work with now and and i talk to them that the, the two biggest things is you have to know what you're doing with with your podcast and have a plan in place and when whenever you decide to roll that plan out you have to execute it with consistency there's just no way that you can possibly get your show to take off and, and serve the function that you want it to serve unless you're being consistent because there are so many options out there for everyone to take advantage of. If your podcast is coming out once a week and then all of a sudden it's every other week and then every third week, and then all of a sudden you get on this month track of once a week and then everything falls apart again and then like, they don't hear from you for a couple months. No one knows when they can expect content from you. So they're, they're not going to put their trust in you. They're not going to like you. They're not going to keep coming back to you because they don't know when you're going to be there for them. So you have to plan out how you're going to execute 
and, and, and be a part of these people's lives because that's really the reality of it. People are going to let you into their world through your podcast and, and they're going to consume your content. And if they get into a rhythm of knowing that your show is out every Thursday morning and they can listen to it on their commute or while they're at the gym or wherever they're at, if it's not there, they're going to be pissed. And then they're going to look for somebody else. And then if they find somebody else that may take away their time and they may never come back to you. So in order to make a consistent, good, well-serving podcast, you have to plan it out and you have to be consistent in the execution. Okay. I would agree with all of that. So to, to, to get into your show a little bit, so you have a show called Pod Theory. So can you give the listeners like just like a quick synopsis of, of what is Pod Theory and then we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Pod Theory is, when I first launched it, it was a daily show that was five to 10 minutes that was just tips, strategies, commentary, secrets, things I've learned about podcasting that I could share with everybody else. And I put it out starting off on a, a, a daily basis, but it was in that time frame. I started it in September of 2020, so we were sort of still in lockdown. We really weren't getting together, and, and I started doing it daily because I had this mindset of, well, I don't think I'm going to be connecting with anybody in person, so it makes sense to just do these short little blocks every single day and then just keep rolling that out. But what I end up learning as, we, as the show evolved and, and it kept getting more popular and I started talking with people and having interviews again, I started thinking, damn, I miss this. I, I miss the the interaction of talking with people on a podcast. You know, it's very easy for me to sit down and record a quick five minute show and then throw it out there. But more value comes from these conversations. That's how I've always looked at it. I think the best podcasts are when a great conversation breaks out, the format almost gets thrown away and, and, people on the mic just go back and forth and create some magic. And I felt like I wasn't, I didn't have that dynamic as much as I wanted to with just doing that solo five minutes a day type of format. So episode 125, I interviewed Travis Brown from Poddex, who I believe you've had on your show as well. Yes, that would have aired by the time this comes out. Yeah. Okay. Phenomenal dude. And since I've connected with Travis, I've learned a lot from him. And yeah, likewise. I'm going to be going on his show soon. We've just had, a, there's been collaboration. It's just been great. Great dude. And that was where I decided, okay, here's where I'm going to cap season one. This was never meant to be seasons, but it was episode 125. So that's like one hell of a season. I think that's like the length of like General Hospital or however many. They have hundreds of episodes in a season, but nevertheless. And I decided to retool it, and I'm currently working on what will be season two, but I'm going to do it just in season format. I want to take each season and focus on a certain subject within the podcasting world, something that people can come into. They can, they can binge all the episodes that come out in the season and, then, and really get a lot of value from that block of content. And season two is going to be all about some of the myths that people have about podcasting from the, the, the fact that they think they need millions of downloads to be successful or they have to monetize it on day two. There are so many things that people feel are necessary in podcasting that we want to debunk. So I'm going to be bringing on some other podcasters and people within the industry that can share their knowledge on these different topics and we'll combine it all into one great season. So I felt like putting, making pod theory into this seasonal format where it's almost like little mini courses coming out almost, I would say probably quarterly is going to be my target for getting those seasons out. 
I think that's going to give everybody a nice chunk to really bite into. And at the same time, they can go back in that first season and catch up on 125 different episodes. And there's a mix in their interviews. I have a round table in there and then all of the small segments that I recorded on my own. So there's going to be a lot of good content there for everybody to grab onto. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would definitely vouch for Pod Theory in terms of what's out there already. There's a ton of like great like nuggets. I really like the short episodes because you can just pick a subject and you know, like whatever, where, however long you've got, you've probably got four minutes to listen to it and then you listen to it and it just gives you ideas. So I really like that. Um, and season yeah. two sounds like it's going to be great, but you you mentioned earlier. So, you know, you said um, one of the things that you learned was that you have to have a plan. And, and I would agree that it seems like a lot of people Either they don't have a plan or in a lot of cases, they also kind of overthink the whole thing and they plan for things that, you know, is not going to like, you're not Joe Rogan. That's not going to happen to you. So, you know, don't worry about it. So, so you've got yeah. a new podcast launching and you've got season two. So what is the plan? Like as much as you want to go into it, what does the plan or even shaping a plan for those shows look like? Well, I think, you know, especially now I'm about six to seven years deep in the podcasting experience. So I have a little bit more knowledge in regards to the planning part, you would just mention the word overthinking. And I think everybody falls tr prey to that every now and again. And I think what that can do sometimes is delay the actual launch of a show because people are trying to make it perfect. Guess what? There is no perfect podcast. Even the most popular shows in the world still have their flaws. We may not see them, but that's okay. If you go into building a podcast with realistic expectations of loving what you're talking about, that's key. And if you can if you could talk about something even if no one's listening, that's something you could podcast about because that's a subject matter that that's that subject matter that you can stay passionate about as shows continue to come out. And as numbers may not be as astronomical as you think they're gonna be. Because that's just the reality of the situation. You have to have this expectation that you're a nobody coming into it. You have to treat it as a reputation builder. Treat it as something that can help enhance your credibility and, and, and showcase your authority. And when you're planning your show out, ultimately you need to choose, or you, I'm sorry, you need to decide what's, what purpose is this podcast going to serve? How am I going to provide value for my audience? So all of those things in the planning process are huge. And so I'm right now, as we sit and record right now, I'm reading the common path to uncommon success. Or did I say that backwards? The uncommon path to common. The uncommon, the uncommon path to common. Yeah, I'm reading the book say right this, now as well. Yeah. Say it backwards, but um, that book, <laughs> other than me botching the title, phenomenal book. And JLD is one of my favorite podcasters. I listen to entre entrepreneurs on fire every day and just love how he does his show and so I, I've been really pulling a lot from his book in regards to how I'm going to build my show. And I've always believed in developing that avatar or ideal listener profile, as I had dubbed it on my website. And I realized in reading his book that there was a lot of aspects of that exercise that I was missing. So I would say any podcaster or any entrepreneur, any professional grab that book because there are so many good tips in that book and it's very straightforward right to the point a lot of good additional courses that you can pick up by clicking the links that are within that book 
it's great stuff. So I don't want to, I'm definitely, I have no you know ambitions of being the next John Lee Dumas and trying to carbon copy. I'm still working on being the first Jason Sircone, but there's a lot to learn from the way that he formats a show and, and how those interviews are based. So there's going to be a lot of influence there, but I'm very excited because I've already talked to some just from clients that I work with, but then also people that they've introduced me to from doing podcast production for them and, 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 and helping them find shows. I've, I'm so anxious to get this going, but I also know that I don't want to rush it. So I'm probably shooting for fall of 2021 to launch the new show. And I'm really looking forward to how that's going to turn out. Cause I think it's going to, there's going to be a lot of value for people as they listen to it. And it sounds like it. And you can see like how passionate you are about it, which I think is great. So yeah, whenever, whenever it does come out, if you send me a message and I'll, I'll shout it out. And I appreciate that. A couple of people will be interested in that. Cause yeah, I mean, this is, this is how this, this is one of the things that I was going to ask you about. Cause this is the thing that I find the hardest about podcasting, right? So I started this show, which, you know, as we're recording is yet to be released, but the release date's in like three weeks time. And it was because I wanted a show where somebody talks to podcasters but not specifically about their show. Like I don't want to like somebody to sell me their show. I want to learn like, what do they know about podcasting? What have they learned about podcasting? Mm -hmm. Like, what should I do? What, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Right. And one of the things that I, I like with your show, I only discovered it last week or a few days ago. I'm not sure. Um, and that's the thing that's really frustrating about podcasting is that I searched for, you know, podcast about podcasting. And I found like you had an episode where you recommended a few. And I think I found most of those. But then there's a show like yours, which I didn't find because podcast discovery as a whole is just like, it's like non-existent, right? Most of it is you hear about it from a friend that found a podcast or maybe you get lucky and, you know, somebody writes about your podcast and they have a big audience or, you know, you get to guest on a show and you, you get, but there's nothing, there's not like a Google for podcasting, right? If I, if I search for what I'm looking for, because there's so many podcasts, it's really hard to narrow down the few. So in terms of like people... Like, I guess, I guess the better question is, how did you get the word out about pod theory or how would, or to put a different spin on it, how would you recommend people get the word out about their show? I think, I mean, and I, I might be slightly biased in, in, in saying this because this is something that I'm starting to do myself is we're podcasters. We're, we're already part of this ecosystem why not go on other podcasts and, and, and talk about your show and then promote yourself? Because you just nailed it. It's so hard to, so the, this is one of the more frustrating things for me. And this may sound like sour grapes. It just is what it is. When you search for podcasts, sometimes the ones that pop up haven't produced a show in years, but they're still taking up that valuable real estate to where a show that could be providing value for someone could be front of that search, but it's not. And that's where it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do? Sit here and, and cry about it? I can't do anything about this. I'm going to find alternatives. The, lately, I've been very anti-social media. And, and it's not anything to do with podcasting. It's, it, it's a lot to do with the other things that are on social media that I feel just completely clutter the road. So that was where I, I took a step back and I, I just was evaluating everything I was doing. And I decided what, what would be the best approach for me? And I decided to narrow it down to four things. And that would be my podcasts, obviously. YouTube, which I've taken. I haven't put 
this is it's funny because with YouTube, I've been using it more as a space. Like I put all my episodes of Pod Theory on there. Didn't market them, nothing. I just put them on there. And I've had people comment dude, your content's great. You need to be doing more because your views aren't high. And I reply with, because I haven't done a thing with this yet. I've literally just put it here. It's just sort of like a bookmark right now. So YouTube's big, website's big, and and being on other podcasts is, is the, the, the other element. And email, those are the four that I want to attack. The one I want to talk about the most, which is how I started this whole ramble, is being on other podcasts, because as podcasters, we understand the value of creating great content and having other people on the other side of the microphone helping you create that content. And I right now can't think of a better way to establish authority, to build trust, to amplify your message, to grow your audience exponentially than by coming on someone else's show and having a good conversation. And it, uh, to, it, there, there's just nothing bad about it. To, like some people, oh, you're just going in and you're trying to pull their people over to your show. Hell yeah, I am. Why wouldn't I? We're obviously like-minded people. We, we both, and, and I would welcome you to come on my show and, and do the exact same thing. We can all expose all of these great listeners to other shows just by taking some time to come on a podcast Share their share your expertise and have a have just have a good talk, have a good chat, because at the end of the day, that's really what podcasting is all about. And if you come on to somebody's show like I'm doing right now, we're sitting here. I'm in I'm on my on my screen. You're on your screen, but we're having a great time. We're having a good talk. When people hear this, the hopes is that it resonates and they say, Jason Sircone's a Cool dude, I want to go learn more about what he does. I'm going to go check out his website. I'm going to go check out his YouTube channel. I'm going to follow his podcasts. That's what it's all about. And again, as a podcaster, I feel like that's the one thing that really should be taking, we all should be taking more advantage of is reaching out to other podcasters and building that network and then going on their shows and having killer conversations. And we all win when we do that. So that's right now when you're starting a show. That would be my marketing approach. That will be that is going to be my marketing approach as my new show goes live. Is just I'm going on tour, and that's how everyone should treat it. Start looking for podcasts that are relevant to your space, and this just this goes beyond podcasters. And I and this is something that I do in my business. I help other people find podcasts that will work for their brand and help them get their message out there in front of the right people. Get out there and find podcasts that you can be on. And that's something if you need help with that, I'm here. I can definitely help out. But if you're a podcaster and want to expose your brand, that would be the best way to do it. Bar none. Just a quick interruption, and then we'll get right back to the conversation. I just wanted to tell you, if you haven't yet subscribed and followed this podcast in your podcast app of choice, then make sure you go and do that so you don't miss a future episode of Inside the Podcast Studio. And also make sure you hit that auto download button so as soon as an episode is released it will get downloaded straight to your device and it's ready for you to listen and now let's get back to the conversation and to your point earlier i think like a lot of people seem to think if you come on this show and you're talking about your show and then you try like trying to steal listeners i think is an insane way of looking at it because that's basically like you know it's not like you're going to a restaurant and then next to each other and you can only go in one it's like, well, you could listen to that show. Oh, and then you get more shows to listen to and more content. Like, why would you not want that? It's not like you have to pick one or the other. Think about the fact that 
how many pizza joints are there in the world? How many burger joints exactly. are in the world? How much would it suck if there was just one? And how many how many people are, are disappointed? It's like, oh, I go to Domino's now, so I can never go to Pizza Hut again. So that's that's no, not a not thing. at all. I think that again, you you listen to a podcast because it delivers value to you. If you can find another podcast that delivers value to you, you're going to listen naturally. <laughs> how are you going to find out about it? Yeah, yeah. By listening to podcast, like to, it's, to me, it's just, it's the full circle. It makes complete sense to expose your podcast through podcasting. It's proof of concept. It's a, obviously a platform that you believe in that you can speak about passionately, and, and here we are doing it. It's it's proving it, and that's something when I talk to somebody that would hear me on a podcast. And they and it, I'm I'm pitching them on doing business about you know through the power of podcasting. It's like, well, you heard me on a podcast, right? And here we are talking about a deal. That makes sense, right? Like this is something that will happen when people hear your voice. All right, so I, I want to talk about download numbers a little bit, and bef- but before we get to that, so something that just crossed my mind, which I was thinking about earlier, right? Is you have like a podcasting business, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I I don't know the specifics. I went on your website. I think you know you help people with their podcasts, and you can get into that a little bit if you want. But one thing that I noticed, at least from the episodes that I heard, is that your shows aren't like they don't start or have like a mid roll or an end where it says, "Oh, hey, and by the way." you know, you can come and pay me and I will do this, this and this for you, right? So like nobody would know, generally speaking, that you do these things unless they reached out to you if they went on your website. I assume that was a conscious decision. So why did you take that decision to essentially not advertise yourself to, because your listeners are your clients, right? Like Mm -hmm. they would be ideal clients, but at the same time, you keep the podcast super clean and it's just, you know, here's the value I want to give you. That's it. So what what was behind that decision? The thought process there was the fact that I, in a in a short tight window of content, I didn't want it to be diluted by advertisements, even if it was advertisements for myself. Now, if you listen to every episode, not one hundred percent of my episodes of Pod Theory are clean of me promoting what I do. Or here's a call to action to go check this out. The idea with Pod Theory is just to put value into the world and to give aspiring podcasters or veteran podcasters some content that they could absorb and maybe learn something new that helps them improve their show. That's it. It it doesn't have to all be about monetization. And I I think that's one of the big myths that we'll probably tackle in season two of pod theory and something I know we've talked about in the past on my show. People are so quick to try to monetize their show that they ultimately just trip over their own feet in in trying to do so because they're just not ready for it yet. They have to, you have to build your credibility and build your audience to a point to where they trust you. And when they trust you, when you do ask for money, it's not even a second thought. They're like, well, yeah, you're, you're front of mind anyway. So of course I'll pay you for your service. And you have to let, you, you have to give your audience that time to, to make that decision and build that trust in you. And the only way you can do that is by continuing to pound them with value every single time they listen to your show. And if they listen to your show and are constantly bombarded with advertisements about why they should work with you, eventually they're just going to be like, well, screw you, man. I'm going to go work with somebody else that isn't always selling themselves or isn't constantly on the hustle trying to make us join their, 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 paid community you know what i mean like there, there's a lot of different ways to do it but for me i feel value should be the leader so that was really the decision 
when I, I was, you know, I'll throw an ad in here or there and I'll mention something that I'm doing or I'll, I'll point some people to something that I'm launching, whatever the case may be, but it's going to be subtle and it's, it's not going to be something that I'm forcing down people's throat. Yeah, I think that's awesome because it is one of those things, right? Like people know from your show that you know what you're talking about. So then regardless of whether they know you offer a service, the likelihood is they're going to reach out yep. and then they'll realize, okay, okay. And I've already reached out. So I'm, I'm interested and, you know, let's see what happens. So uh, yeah, I totally respect that. One of the big things that I, I talk about when I'm talking about brands using podcasts is that you can cut your sales process almost in half because that initial sales consultation or sales meeting is typically cold. They, you, they need to get to know you. You need to get to know them. You've got to lay out all of these things before you even get to a point where you can sell. But if your podcast is structured in a way to where you're sharing company information and industry information and you're doing it in an entertaining way and you're getting people to really embrace you as a brand and they love your product and they love what you do. And maybe they haven't experienced your product yet, but they're hearing your voice and they're learning something. You're helping solve a problem that they may have. They may have not have to pay for that solution now, but down the road, when they do have to pay for that solution, they're going to come to you. And that beginning part of that sales process is already complete. They've already sold themselves that they want to do business with you. So they're going to pick up the phone or they're going to get online and, and, and contact you. Whatever, whatever means of communication they decide to use, they're sold already. And you can just pick up the phone or answer an email and you've got yourself a new client because you took the time to give them value and provide solutions that they needed without asking for their wallet right up front. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really great way of looking at it. It makes it a lot more clear is that, you know, rather than doing the cold sales pitch, you, you know, you give them what they want. So you don't have to pitch them at all. They just come to you. I want to move on a little bit. So download numbers, right? So uh, my first episode that I recorded for this show was with Travis. And until I like learned who he was and started listening to his stuff, I had no idea that download numbers was such a contentious subject, right? Because generally speaking, it depending on, I guess it's depending on who you follow, right? Like if I didn't know, if I didn't speak to Travis and I didn't hear him on podcasts and stuff, I was of the opinion that download numbers, they go up consistently and if they're not going up consistently, there's a problem. And if my download numbers are at not a certain level and nobody tells you what this level is, right? So, you know, to some people, that's a hundred downloads an episode is amazing. To some people it's like, well, I need 10,000 or it's, it's, it's a failure. And so I didn't realize it was such a contentious subject. And what it got me thinking was all the shows that I listen to, I have no idea whether I'm the only listener or if there's a million listeners, like, I mean, Joe Rogan, I know, right. He's got a lot of listeners, right. But the rest of the shows, I have no idea, like your show. I don't know if you get five or if you get 10,000 and it doesn't matter because if you, if you turn around to me and said, listen, Rob, the only person that listened to it is you, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not going to listen to it anymore. So in terms of podcasts, like metrics, what are, are there any metrics that podcasters should pay attention to, to say like, I'm going in the right direction or you know, an episode was successful. I don't know how you want to frame it, but I feel like that's a big thing that nobody talks about outside of download numbers. And it seems very much like download numbers is a false economy. Like it doesn't really give you any information. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal a line from Travis that he dropped on my show. Pot, download numbers are nothing more than a vanity metric. And, and that it's really what it is. I mean, if that if that's what's going to make you happy because you see thousands of downloads, A, you're not going to be happy right off the bat. It just doesn't happen. You're, you're just not going to launch a show 
and have thousands of downloads because you have to establish your audience first. So if you go into it with an expectation thinking that you will, then ugh, you're, you're, you're looking at it wrong and you, you, you didn't plan out properly and you didn't set realistic expectations. And B, I would say that if you were paying attention to any numbers at all, the one that is a stat that I would look at probably a little bit more seriously than anything else would be your retention rate and your, your, your playthrough rate, however you want to define it. How long are people listening to your show? Are they staying on till the very end or is everybody dropping off after a few minutes? Because if, you, if, if you've got people dropping off after a few minutes, now one person doing that here and there, that happens. But if you have this trend of the majority of your audience dropping off after only a few minutes, then there might be something with your content there. You're just not hitting that avatar. You haven't developed that ideal listener profile that's, that answers all of these questions that will tell you who to serve your content to. And if you <laughs> download numbers are just crazy to me because I've talked to people and I'm going to use a, this is sort of in the same ballpark, but uh, it's different at the same time. I've talked to people with e that have built their email list over the years. And as they built that email list, they weren't thinking about the fact that they had to hit a certain number. What they were thinking about is, okay, I've got 500 people. Let's just use 500 as the example, 500 people on my email list. Of that 500 people, if I've got 80% of them opening the email or 80% or higher opening that email, that tells me that they want to read what I have to say. And when it comes time for me to sell them something, I've got this captive audience of 500 people that are willing to purchase. And when we start, we start to branch outside of that number, because you've got this captive audience, they, they want to hear what you have to say. And your thoughts start going towards the people that aren't listening and you want to serve them for some reason. I'd rather serve the 500 that are listening to my show right now. And it doesn't even have to be 500. It could be 10, 20, 30. I always think of it in the, in, in the regards of a conference. If I'm in a room with 25 people and they are all there to hear what I have to say, and I can make an impact on their world by delivering something kick-ass that, that they paid for or they're attending because they know there's value here. I have to deliver that, and I'm going to do it to 25 people. If I had 1,500 people in the room next door, I'm going to deliver the same content, and I'm going to deliver it with the same passion because those people showed up for it. So if you get hung up on the fact that, man, only 50-some people showed up for my content today or, sh or showed up to hear what I had to say today, so what? That's 50 people that you could impact. And then if you break that down further, if you're a branded podcast and you're using this as a platform to develop leads or serve customers or, or find customers, if one person came out of that, that's not worth your time? Come on now. like Be realistic about it. Trying to get to thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads, I think people think that way because the more downloads you get, it can lead to sponsors. And that makes sense. However, the way sponsorships are structured, it doesn't really pay that well. Now, if you're just looking to cover the cost of your show, so be it. 
But you can also start that from day one by signing up for affiliates and promoting affiliates on your show. So you can monetize your show that way. It doesn't matter what your download numbers are, because if you have X amount of people paying attention to your affiliates and potentially making purchases, you can make money that way. So this is my belief, and I know others feel this way. Some may disagree, but download numbers get lumped in with monetization to the point where people think they have to have them in order to monetize. And I disagree completely. My thought is your show could be something that's providing value to 10 people. And if that value has a call to action to sign up for an affiliate program that you get paid from, you don't need a hundred people. You need 10, you needed one boil it down to one person that you can impact today. If your expectations are that your podcast is going to impact one person, you're going to do it right. Because if you have that mentality, it's naturally going to impact more as your show continues to produce value. And that's the easiest way to do it for your, to, as a podcaster is to boil it down to what value I can provide today and can I impact one person with this value. And to hell with hitting this arbitrary number of downloads. Once we all get past that stigma, I think people will stick with podcasting longer. Because you want to talk about pod fade and the whole, I guess the stats like seven episodes is the average that people hit because it's because after seven, they don't think they don't have millions of downloads and they say, screw it, I'm done. And it's it's a shame because there's they haven't even tapped into their potential yet. Seven episodes in, say it's your first podcast. You haven't tapped into your potential yet because you have to get good at this. How are you going to get good at it? You keep sitting in front of the microphone and putting value out there by interviewing people, by getting used to this, this microphone in front of your mouth. Once you find your voice and you have poise in how you talk and it, it lends itself to the delivery of your questions and how you put that content out there, the sky's the limit, but you're not going to accomplish it in seven episodes. So don't get hung up on low download numbers. Even if you're 100 episodes deep, focus on the value. This is my long-winded rant, but you got me on a tangent, Rob, and I had to, <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. No, that's, that's great. That's great. I love it. And, and to your point about value, you're delivering tons of value right now, so I appreciate Thank that. Thank you, sir. Likewise. Thank you. So I, I was going to say, I also think that if you focus on value, then the rest of it comes with it. Because if you are focused on, you know, download numbers, why are you expecting more people to listen if you're not giving them anything that's worth listening to? Right. So it's like they, they go hand in hand, right? You figure out the value, the numbers come. You can't figure out the numbers and then be like, oh, what do you guys want? Because it's that's not that's not a realistic thing. So no. I just wanted to mention, in case you didn't know, I have a newsletter, a weekly newsletter. It comes out once a week, every Friday. And in it, I put everything that I've learned from podcasting that week. So tips or tricks or new cool tools that I found that have really helped with the podcast or podcasting gear or conversations that I might have had with guests or behind the scenes of this show or bonus outtakes of this show, all sorts of things that will be in that newsletter every week straight to your inbox. So if you want me to share my podcasting knowledge with you and send it straight to your inbox, then you can sign up for the newsletter at insidethepod.co slash newsletter. Now let's get back to the conversation. I have a couple of questions left. So just a fun thing, which is like a, a quick fire questions um, related to your podcast. So the first one is, what is your hosting platform? Buzzsprout. 
What microphone are you recording with right now? I'm on the Shure MV7. What are your top three favorite podcasts that you are listening to right now? Right now, I would say top of the list. Oh, this is tough. Entrepreneurs on fire. We'll keep it. We'll stay on the professionals. I guess I'd say 1A is Talking Sopranos. Uh, so <laughs> Entrepreneurs on fire, Talking Sopranos. And only because this episode just came out and I hadn't listened to his show in a while. John Taffer, the host of Bar Rescue, he just released an episode where he tears Yelp apart, and I loved it. I listened to that episode, and I was like, oh, man, I, I kind of forgot John Taffer's got some good points about, about an industry that I used to be a part of. So I've been going back and listening to a couple of episodes of that as well. So um, I would say that's probably in the top three, or I would say that is the top three right now. I would say, I mean... Entrepreneurs on Fire and Talking Sopranos have been dominating my time in the car because I was catching up on Talking Sopranos. I'm almost up to the new new episodes that they've been releasing every Monday. But Entrepreneurs on Fire, as you know, has thousands in the archive because he's been doing daily since 2013, that, it, it, which is just phenomenal. But there's so much good content there. That's a podcast that everybody needs to have. And that's not like I'm breaking new ground and telling people they need to listen to Entrepreneurs on Fire. but very, very good stuff. And now inside the podcast studio. I'm going to add that to my list. There you go. See, I'm going to take that clip and that's going to be on social media everywhere now. <laughs> I'll just cut it. So it's like, what's your top three podcasts? And it will just, you straight away, just say three times inside the podcast studio. Tis your content to do what you wish, sir. <laughs> I won't do that. Don't worry. But that would be quite amusing <laughs> if I did. Well, now you're doing some great stuff, Robin. I think everybody, as they're listening to this show, whether they wait till we're completely done or want to hit the pause button now, go drop a review for Rob, everybody. This is some great information. And I, I know we've talked about this on Pod Theory. Podcasters across the board can attest to the fact that reviews help their podcast get found. And we, we talked earlier about the fact that going on other podcasts can help amplify that message too. But the more credible reviews that people can pull from, the more that tells the algorithm that this is content that people need to hear. So if you're enjoying this content today, take a minute to drop a good review for Rob because it's going to go a long way. I appreciate that. You got it, my friend. And um, this this was on my list. So now it sounds like I'm just reciprocating. But if someone's going to go and they're going to listen to one episode of Pod Theory to get them started, what would be the one episode that you would recommend people go and check out? That's tough because I, I never really tried to put one higher than the other. I will say that one of the more popular solo recordings that I've done, ironically, was tips on solo podcasting. So solo podcasting isn't easy, especially if you're brand new to it, because it, it, it's intimidating to think that you've got to carry this the whole way through. There's no one to bounce ideas off of. There's no pause because you're waiting for people to come back and, and say their piece. It's all you. So I put that out there with some tips that I learned over the years because I was that guy. I, I hadn't podcasted solo before. And, you know, to go back even further, when I had my radio show, there was always music to break things up. So I always, you know, I, I always had a buffer. But that was one of my more popular ones. I would say the last two interviews I did in season one, the uh, episode 125 with Travis, we, we covered a lot. And that was one of those ones where the, the script went out the window to some degree, because our conversation was phenomenal. And it was really focused on mindset mastery. And it covered a lot of the things that we talked about today, 
but some other things that we didn't get into. And it's ultimately, it was designed to just give podcasters this mindset of, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the largest audience in the world. What you focus on is the value you're bringing to everybody and how you can stay consistent in doing that. So go back and start at the end. Start at the end and start working your way down from 125. And then episode 120 was with Brittany Felix. She is the host of Podcasting for Coaches, which is also the name of her business. And we talked about over-editing. And she dropped some huge, huge knowledge on everybody about things that I hadn't even thought of. I knew going in what I wanted to, to discuss, but she brought some different things to the plate. I was like, wow, hadn't thought about it that way. So I would say start with those three, but the goal, obviously, when I put that out there was that every episode that you listen to is going to bring you some value. So hopefully everybody that catches this goes and checks out the, the whole catalog of season one and we'll be looking forward to season two coming out soon. Yeah. I mean, I, I would highly recommend the, the podcast and obviously I'll put it in the show notes so people can go and listen. Like if you're listening right now, figure out how to get to the show notes, click the button, take you to the right place. Um, so the final, final question is um, on, on that note is where can people find more about you online, social media, all, all that good stuff? JasonCircone.com is the place to go. That is the place that's going to connect you to everything. I am not on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as much as I once was. However, if you do send me a message there, I will see it and I will absolutely respond. But JasonCircone.com will connect you to everything that I'm doing. It will connect you to Pod Theory and connect you to my YouTube channel where, again, depending on when you're hearing this, you'll be seeing much more content coming out in the very near future for me on that platform. Awesome. That's basically a wrap from me. So was there anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask? No, I think we covered some great ground today. I think, again, as podcasters, the important thing to keep in mind is that you have to build that credibility in yourself that makes people want to listen to you. But the good news is you're part of one of the hottest, if not the hottest platform in the world right now to do that. So if things aren't going as well as you thought, if you got into it and discovered, whoa, this is more work than I thought it was going to be, keep your chin up and pivot where you need to make adjustments. If it's taking up too much of your time to the point where you say, I can't do this. I got to quit. Don't quit. Keep going forward, but readjust the time that you're putting into it. If you're doing two hour episodes, that's a lot of post-production work. That's a lot to ask. Trim your time down, down to go down to half an hour, go down to 20 minutes. Don't think that every week you've got to come out with this huge long ass podcast because that's tough that's that's really tough like if you can manage it great but for one it's going to be a big burden to just do all that post-production and as a listener two hours is a lot of time to commit so going back to almost bring this all full circle as you're developing that plan and you're developing that avatar Ask yourself what your ideal listener would want from you in regards to the time limit of your show. And that can save you a ton of time and and keep you excited about the process because you're building something awesome. But you have to be in the right frame of mind to do that. And you have to have the right tools in place to make it happen. So keeping a good attitude, step one, just stay positive, 
and don't get hung up in download numbers. They suck. They're, they're irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thanks to today's guest, Jason Sacone. You can connect with him on Instagram. He's got a new podcasting YouTube channel you're going to want to follow. And I highly recommend you check out his show, Pod Theory. As you mentioned in the podcast, he's gearing up for season two very shortly. And in the meantime, there is over a hundred episodes of season one for you to go and check out and go and binge tons and tons of practical advice in there that you could implement in your podcast. As always, all the links are in the show notes and you can find the show notes wherever you're listening to this right now, or you can go to insidethepod.co slash episode five. So no highlight of the week this week. Instead, I just want to share some exciting news with you about this show. So I knew from when I started this show who I wanted for the season one finale. So this season that you're listening to right now, who I wanted my final guest to be. And that was none other than the podcast's journey and culture changes host, Alison Hare. And that was for a, a variety of reasons. She's obviously really big in the podcasting space. She has a ton of podcasting knowledge. She conducts great interviews. And the podcaster's journey was a huge influence on this show. And it even was one of the places where I found a bunch of people that I'd never heard of before, which I've then since had on this show, or I've at least recorded interviews for episodes that will come out in the future. And so I've been putting it off for a while because, you know, this was my big guest and I kind of didn't want to screw it up. But at the same time, about a week or two ago, I decided, you know what, I should probably just message her and see because if, if she doesn't want to do it or if she doesn't respond, then, you know, I need to find another guest that could close out the season with the same sort of level of knowledge and value that opened the season with episode one, which was Travis Brown, of course. And so I messaged Alison and I told her all the things I just told you about how podcaster's journey was super influential in this show and so on and so forth. And, you know, after a little while, she replied to my DM on Instagram and she said yes. So as soon as we set a date for that, I'll be recording an interview with Alison Hare and that will be the season finale for this season of Inside the Podcast Studio. So super exciting news there. And then on top of that, I sent an email to Dave Jackson of the School of Podcasting. If you are not familiar, get familiar. The School of Podcasting, the link is in the show notes. Go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts, who is also a huge personality in the podcasting space. And I sent him an email. Would you like to be on the show? I told him what it was about. I told him why I liked his show. And I sent him that you know, just before I was going to bed. And then when I woke up in the morning, I had an email from him and all it said was, Rob, I'd be delighted to come on your show, your scheduling link or mine, question mark. That was it. Super cool guy. So I sent him my scheduling link. We set up a date. And so I'll be recording an interview with him, which I think I'm going to be using as the season two premiere. So, you know, we're, we're still a way off season one being finished, but when it is finished, it's going to go out with a bang. And when season two comes back, it's hopefully going to be a great conversation with one of the fathers of podcasting. I think you can say Dave Jackson. So that's my big news. And let me know what you think. Are you as excited as I am to hear Alison Hare and Dave Jackson be on this show? And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at insidethepod.co slash donate or by hitting the link in the show notes. Caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And also make sure you hit that auto download button so the next episode will be downloaded straight to your device and ready to go. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of Inside the Podcast Studio. A coffee and coding production.